What you may not know is that when I joined Waynesburg Christian Church, farthest thing from my mind was to ever stand up in front of the congregation and pray. I just didn't think I could do that. And I went to the Lord in prayer, being the teacher that I am, I felt that maybe I had a gift of communication that ought to flow out of prayer, but, but frankly, I, I couldn't do it. But I humbled myself before God and prayed that if it be His will, if I be designated as one of your prayer warriors for this congregation, then so be it. And over time, He opened my heart my mind to be able to reach out to you in prayer. And I can only thank him for that. My message this morning is on effective prayer. It talks about um, an insider's guide. You know, I, I threw that catchphrase in there just to get you thinking about things because you, you look at the newsstand, you see an insider's guide to the NFL, an insider's guide to whatever, and you, you begin to think, well, oh, there's some special knowledge there that we really need to know about so we know what's going on. Well, there is special knowledge when it comes to prayer. But where is that special knowledge coming from? Folks, the insider's guide that I'm talking about is the Bible. And all that we need for effective prayer is found right in these pages. If you'll just open your hearts to finding the right scriptures to inspire you to pray your heart uh, back to God as you're talking to him. So this is the insider's guide that I'm talking about. I start my uh, message off on a, a note that you might not expect, kind of a negative note. So let me begin. Does prayer work? Do you spend time praying? Why? How often? What is the purpose of prayer? Do you pray in order to change an unchangeable God? Or do you pray like Aladdin to the genie in the bottle, that thinking that God might grant you three wishes? Or did you try that? The wishes didn't come true. So now you pray out of obedience, but you don't understand why. Is anything accomplished through prayer? Is anything changed by you or me getting on our knees and talking to God? I believe every one of us struggles with some of these questions. Each one of us has deeply desired something. The salvation of a loved one. Victory over persistent sin. The healing of a sick person. Revival in our country. We deeply desired something. Prayed earnestly for it. And seen nothing. This is a common experience for many Christians. And I am certain that some of us here this morning are feeling just like that. I've tried and tried to pray. I've tried to be like that persistent widow knocking on the door of the unjust judge. And I don't see results. Why keep trying? Beloved, remember this. Our turning to God in prayer causes an alarm to sound in Satan's headquarters. He will do anything possible to keep us from praying. So as soon as we turn to God in prayer, Satan frequently attacks in any way possible. So does prayer work? Let's assume the answer is yes, and pray to the Lord right now. Father, you know that Satan loves to assail us with doubts about prayer. You know that your enemy tries to deceive us, to make us think that prayer is a waste of time. 
Open our ears this morning and my mouth, and may you fill us with your spirit so that we might have insight into this most important teaching. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let's uh, turn to the Insider's Guide, the Bible, if you will, to Ephesians 6.18, which is the main verse on which this message is based. We read in, in this verse, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, and always keep on praying for all the saints. Effective prayer includes all types of prayer. Paul says here we are to pray with all kinds of prayer. There are many ways to pray, many types of prayer. To have a vigorous, effective prayer life, our prayer should not be the same each day, but vary from day to day or even within a day to take on different forms. In this verse, Paul brings out two types of prayer, translated here as prayer and requests or petitions. The second consists of our requests, both for ourselves and for others. These types of prayers could also be considered as parts of a longer prayer. So we want to learn to use all parts of prayer. Now many of us have been helped over the years by using the acronym ACTS, as you see up on the screen, for the parts of prayer, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication, which is kind of an old-fashioned word. Uh, we probably would understand petition better than supplication in most cases. I like petition myself, but act is kind of hard to pronounce, so we say acts instead of act. Okay? No. So let's look at these, uh, these uh, different parts of prayer, starting with uh, adoration. We should not approach God immediately making our requests. Sometimes like the little children do when they come to you as their father, they they have an immediate request without talking to you about the day or whatever. Well, we shouldn't approach God with our requests immediately either. But our prayers should begin with adoration and praise. And this pattern is apparent in the Bible. Indeed, almost every one of the prayers of great men of faith that's recorded in the Bible begins with adoration. For example, when Daniel, in Daniel 9, verse 4, prays to God out of concern for his nation, he begins... I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands. And when Hezekiah in 2 Kings chapter 19, verse 15, confronts the likely destruction of his nation as his nation faced the most powerful military force in the world about to attack, he begins his prayer. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, O Lord, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. You wouldn't know that his nation was about to face destruction listening to that start, would you? These prayers begin by acknowledging who God is. They begin by reminding the speaker of some of the characteristics of the God whom we address. They also establish the relationship between the speaker and God. Our prayers should do the same. Although all our prayers should begin with adoration, 
At times we should focus longer prayers solely on adoring the God who has called us out of the darkness into his marvelous light. These prayers may focus on one characteristic of God, such as his faithfulness. We frequently sing the song, Your faithfulness endures forever. Think of God's revelation of faithfulness as recorded in the Bible and pray a nice long prayer on that faithfulness. Or his creative power, one of my favorites, just as a scientist, thinking about his creation and the walk in his garden we have around here. Uh, he is a, a God of unimaginable power, a God who has created unimaginable beauty and splendor in the world around us. And, and to walk in his world and enjoy it is just uh, absolutely wonderful. And to pray to him about his creative power um, and, and to adore him and praise him uh, for those attributes uh, would be a good way to spend a long prayer. The second part of prayer is confession. In the passage of Luke 18, verses 9 through 14, Jesus introduces his audience to a Pharisee, boasting of all he's done for God and the needy, and a publican who would not even look to heaven. The publican is a tax collector. The Pharisees, of course, were very well known as very righteous people. So I think it's interesting that Jesus, once again, is turning the world on its head. And uh, in this parable here, uh, has some interesting things to say about the Pharisee and the tax collector. Now, tax collectors in those days, if, if you were to generate a list of folks who had your respect, the tax collector would be at the bottom of the list, probably. So this is not good. Okay, well, we read here. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So which best describes you? Are you the one who believes you're entitled to certain things because you're a good person? Or are you one who is willing to humble yourself before the throne of God? Remember, when we praise God, we are remembering who He is. When we confess, we are remembering who we are and how weak we are. Our confession should, first and foremost, acknowledge our specific failures to live a life worthy of our calling. But there are two other aspects to confession I'd like to point out to you. One is confession for a group. In addition to our personal sins, we should confess sins committed by groups with which we are identified. If you continue reading Daniel's prayer in chapter 9, you'll see that he was confessing the sins of the Jewish people, even though he was not personally guilty of any of those sins. We too need to recognize the sins committed by our families, our nation, our race, 
even our church. Second, while most confession has to do with sin, we also need to confess before God our inability to accomplish anything without his help, our lack of power to accomplish anything of eternal significance. I think it's important to include that in your prayers from time to time. God, I am indeed helpless without you. I am but a poor worm. The third part of prayer is thanksgiving. Here we usually think of the blessings God has given to us, our salvation, our families, our friends, our material possessions, the freedoms we have in this country. And of course we should thank God for all of these. But according to the Bible, we should also thank God for the trials and difficulties we face. If you turn to James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Consider it pure joy when you face trials. Do you consider trials to be a joy? James is not saying here that we should jump up and down saying, oh goody, a trial. He's not saying it in that way at all. Rather, he is saying that we should have a quiet confidence that God will use these trials for our benefit and the benefit of others who see us encounter trials with this attitude. You know, anyone can be thankful when life is going well. There's joy to be had when life is good. Can you be thankful and joyful even in the midst of trials and difficulties? And many in this country right now are facing serious trials and difficulties. Can you still display that joy that uh, we're, we're talking about here? If we can and we should, we stand out from the world around us. We are letting our light shine. So let me challenge you. Commit yourself right now to thanking God for the next five disagreeable things that happen to you. And then let me know how it goes. The last part of prayer is petition. Now most of our prayers are dominated by petition. We're praying for ourselves, our health or whatever. We're praying for others. We don't need a lot of instruction in this form of prayer. But do note that our main scripture says to stay alert for all the saints. That would be you and me. We are guarding one another. This is the responsibility of all of us, as the author of the book of Hebrews makes clear. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13 is one of my favorite passages on this subject. See to it, brothers, that none of you has a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have a joint responsibility for every member of the body of Christ. As Paul has made clear, we are the body. We need each other. And each of us needs to do his part if the body is to prosper fully. And doing our part includes watching and then praying. Now let me make some additional suggestions to you as you consider petition. First of all, we all need to acknowledge that sometimes no is the best answer for I like to think of 
Amy Carmichael and her story, her life story. Amy spent over 50 years as a missionary in India. She tells the story, one of her earliest memories is about the time her mother taught her to pray. She was only three years old. And one of her first prayers was that her brown eyes should be changed to blue eyes. She said, oh Lord, please make my eyes blue tonight. And she went to sleep with full confidence that her eyes would be blue in the morning. When she woke up, she immediately ran to the mirror to look at her pretty blue eyes. She looked and was devastated. God had let her down. He said no. Now in many cases, we don't ever find out why God said no. We need to take a really long-term look to sometimes find that answer. And Amy feels that she found the answer. Because as she became a missionary in India for all those years, she reflected back on the answer no to that request for blue eyes because as a darker-skinned, brown-eyed individual, she blended in very nicely with the Indian population and could achieve her mission better than if she were blonde-haired and blue-eyed. That's the way she felt. So actually, she ended up later on thanking God for saying no to her request. Second, we can be confident that the answer to our request will be yes if the petitions are based on the promises of God. We are basing our requests on God's explicit promises. Now, it's okay to pray for cares if we have no specific promises. After all, we are instructed to take our concerns to God, whatever they might be. For those requests, however, we need to be ready to acknowledge no as a possible answer. But when we pray based on a specific promise found in Scripture, we can know that God will answer in the affirmative. For example, when we are suffering through a trial, we can pray that God would use this testing of our faith to produce endurance in us, to perfect us, to make us complete, so that we would become like Him. We can know that God will do so. Finally, our petition should include asking that God would be recognized as holy and just, praying that God's will would be done in this world and that the world would acknowledge Him. This, of course, is part of the Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. But how often do we pray about that topic outside of the Lord's Prayer? Yeah, we recite the Lord's Prayer, but might you also pray at other times that God's will be done in this earth, that his name be hallowed, that his name be holy. I encourage you to include that kind of petition in your prayers this week. So there we have it, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, or petition. I encourage you to use all parts of prayer when you pray this week. Now let's turn to all types of prayer, again from our main scripture. The first thing I want to talk about is to pray through the scriptures or to use scripture as a foundation for prayer. Praying by using scripture is an important first step toward effective prayer. And there are many reasons for this. For example, we learn how to praise God. And that's usually the weakest part of our praying. We, uh, we can think of things we need. That's pretty easy. We don't like to confess our sins, but we know we've committed sin and we can confess them. We can certainly think of things to be thankful for, 
that sometimes we're hesitant about finding the right words to praise God. Turn to Scripture. You'll find lots of words of praise in Scripture. Read the Psalms. There are so many introductions in the Psalms that are just joyous words of praise to God that you could start your prayer just like that. And in fact, on Tuesday and Thursday morning, we, uh, uh, we use the Scripture just like that to inspire us to, uh, uh, to uh, uh, expand on, on what Scripture is leading us to, to say. Well, the Bible is full of wonderful examples of praise. Praying through those examples will certainly make your prayers more effective. And furthermore, by, by knowing those various passages and phrases uh, for praising and adoring God, when you don't have a Bible around, and you don't always have a Bible with you, uh, you can still praise God continually all through the day just by recalling those verses. Second, using Scripture gives us <laughs> examples of how to pray for others. Use Paul's prayer in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 to 21, as an example of how to pray for others. This is a particularly powerful way to pray. Listen to Paul's wonderful prayer for the Ephesians. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the saints, to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. What a powerful prayer of petition to the folks in Ephesus. Third, God speaks to us through his written word. By praying through the scriptures, by knowing the scriptures and having them right on our lips, we put ourselves in position to hear God as he speaks through his word. There are different ways we can use the scriptures in our prayers. We can simply read a passage prayerfully. Alternately, we can change the pronouns or the names so that the scripture is specifically addressing a relevant case in point or an individual. Substitute their name in the passage you're reading. And third, we can use Scripture as a starting point and elaborate on the points brought out as we pray. Now, I'd like to do that just as an exercise in prayer with you right now, using a passage that I think we're all familiar with, Psalm 23. What I'm going to do, uh, you can look at the screen, if I think David is going to be able to put it up there. And if you want to look at Psalm 23 and then listen to my expansion of it, I think this is a delightful way for you to learn how to pray. Let's try it. O Lord, my shepherd, our guide, our protector, because we belong to you, we will never lack anything we need. Lord, help us to believe this and act upon it when the circumstances of our lives seem to indicate otherwise. My shepherd, you make us lie down in green pastures, in places of abundant nourishment. You provide us with safe and quiet places to rest so that we might be restored. 
Thank you, Lord, for guiding us in your paths of righteousness. Lord, without your guidance, we would constantly be losing the path. Keep us on your paths, O Lord. Father, here is a mystery. We can ask for your name's sake. Lord, thank you that you chose to glorify your name through such weak and unworthy vessels as those of us worshiping you here this morning. Lord, you are our shepherd, even when, especially when, we are in frightening situations, when it appears that everything we depend upon is falling apart. But Lord, we will not fear if we draw close to you. If we acknowledge that you are with us, armed to defend us from every evil attack, and equipped to keep us on the path, your discipline and protection comfort us, O Lord. Lord, we know that you will honor us in front of those who have opposed us, that you will lift us up and exalt us, providing us with riches that we cannot imagine and do not deserve. You have given us a foretaste of this by the gift of your Spirit, as you have anointed us. The riches that you give us are worth more than we can imagine. We have a superabundance of good things. Our shepherd, your goodness and your loving kindness, your covenant love will follow us and accompany us every minute of every day of the life here on earth. And praise you, my Lord, each person here who knows you as Savior and Lord will delight in you for all eternity in your presence. Thank you, Father. Amen. Now, I heartily commend that form of prayer to you to find a favorite scripture verse and just expand on it and pray about it and be inspired by it. Has your mind ever wandered while praying? You were saying in your mind, Oh God, I praise you for your mercy and your loving kindness. Now who won that NASCAR race last night? Oh, uh, Lord, sorry, I praise you. You continue on. You know, God is the only person we address in our heads. We have little practice speaking that way. We tend to lose focus pretty easily. Now, silent prayers are often appropriate, especially when other folks are around. But when alone, I suggest that you try praying out loud. One author has stated, praying out loud controls 90% of mind wandering. I really believe that Daniel, in his prayer recorded in chapter 9, while he was alone, I'm certain that he prayed that out loud. That he didn't just think it, he prayed it out loud. Daniel eventually wrote down that prayer in chapter 9. Writing our prayers slows us down just enough to stay focused. If you're struggling with your prayer life, try writing out some prayers. Now, you don't have to get as formal as keeping a prayer journal, although I would encourage you to do that, but just sit down at the kitchen table and write out a prayer as you're thinking about it in, in the loneliness of the evening or the early morning hours. And see how much more focused your mind becomes as you write out the words that you're thinking about. In his book, Too Busy Not to Pray, Bill Heibel suggests writing your prayers and then reading them aloud. Try it both ways at least once this week and see how it affects your prayer time. By the way, I can hardly recommend that, uh, that book to you, Too Busy Not to Pray. Two of my favorite subjects. I think we're all too busy, first of all, and I think we don't pray enough, second of all. And here's a book that kind of hits the nail on the head and talks about too busy not to pray. Okay? 
Martin Luther said, uh, I have so much to do today, I'm getting up uh, three hours earlier than usual to go to the Lord in prayer so that I set my mind right for the day. Okay, there's an example for you. Too busy not to pray. Pray using your talents and your work. I would like to suggest that we effectively praise God when we honor Him through excelling in areas in which He has gifted us. This can be our ministry, our work, <coughs> or even our athletic endeavors. Now, one of my favorite expressions of this idea when it comes to athletic endeavors comes out of the Academy Award-winning film Chariots of Fire. This film tells the story of Eric Liddell, who won the 400 meters in the 1924 Olympic Games. Eric was born in China, where his parents were missionaries, and Eric knew he was called to missionary service in China. In the film, Eric's sister Jenny confronts him concerning the amount of time and energy he is expending on his running, as she suggests that he is forgetting his calling. Eric replies, Jenny, I believe that God made me for the purpose of serving in China, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. Another example that I've seen here in our church is how the many wonderful, talented folks sing for the greater glory of God. And I think specifically this morning of uh, Courtney Martinez and her mom, Donna Davis. They always say when they're about to sing a special, we do so for the greater glory of God. I'll use myself as one more example. I teach in a way to marry, chemistry as a matter of fact. I truly believe that I was called to be a teacher for I have gained so much enjoyment from it from my earliest childhood teaching my friends right on through now. I'm about to begin year 40 at the college. And in all that time, in all that time, thinking about that teaching, I've always recognized that God gave me this gift, and I give it right back to Him for His glory. I always say a prayer before I walk into the classroom. But I might serve God well in what I do. When we work to the best of our abilities by God's power in whatever we do, when we give Him all the glory for whatever we accomplish, we are praising Him in the most effective way. And this is also a type of prayer. Lastly, I would recommend you pray while walking. Take a prayer walk. Prayer walking has been part of a Christian heritage for many centuries. In Great Britain, the countryside is dotted with paths leading from one cathedral city to another where the monks would walk slowly, prayerfully, as they moved from one town to another. The Bible links walking with God's promises on several occasions. Noah is described as walking with God. Abraham was told to walk the land, for I am giving it to you. Joshua was told, I will give every place where you set foot, as I promised Moses. The prophet Micah declared, all the nations may walk in the name of their gods. We will walk in the name of the Lord our God forever and ever. 
Prayer walking has the power to take our prayer out into the world around us. Prayer walking can claim that territory for Christ. Developing the habit of prayer walking enables us to see our neighborhoods as Christ sees them and allows us to offer up prayers for things we see. This can take a range of approaches from individuals praying as they walk around town to structured prayer campaigns for particular streets or homes or areas. Prayer walking can also give us insights on the spiritual climate of our towns and cities as the Spirit provides insight as we walk the streets. Such insight can have a powerful effect on our mission and our ministry strategies. Another purpose of prayer walking that appeals to me especially is the personal time it gives me with God. Just as Jesus withdrew to lonely places to pray, Luke 5.16 is one place where we see that recorded, we can often find a unity with God in the beauty of his creation. For some, trying to pray alone in the house can be difficult when the mind wanders and other distractions take over. Out in the open spaces, the eye is caught by fresh new elements of God's creation that can bring the mind back to prayer. Something as simple as a beautiful butterfly landing on a flower right in front of you. You can say, thank you, God. I'm inspired by your creative power. Now, as part of VBS this week, we, uh, uh, we began establishing a permanent prayer walk here on the campus. You'll see some posts that aren't yet firmly set in cement scattered about. And uh, they will become prayer stations for all of us to walk around and, and uh, quietly reflect on, on who God is and what those stations are calling to our attention. One of the privileges I had with VBS is to take the three different age groups around uh, to those uh, to those posts, explain to them the idea of a prayer station, and ask for their input. You know, if you were standing at this post out by the playground, for example, where children are playing, or where Garrett is teaching in the in the youth center, what might you pray to God about? And then we recorded what they had to say, and and listened to them. Our our teen assistants were uh, were recording all their thoughts at each of the stations. We're taking those thoughts and mounting them on a plaque to be placed at each station so that when we take a prayer walk, we can look at the thoughts of the little children as they went around from station to station. And I know you'll be inspired by what they had to say. So when the time, when the time comes to dedicate that whole prayer walk, I look forward to walking it with you and uh, explaining some of the things that the children taught me about prayer. I must say, just as an aside, and I don't want to run too long here, but um, the group that overwhelmed me the most was the youngest group. We gathered around and sat on the cement and started talking about prayer. I did the same thing with the older groups, all the way up to the preteens. But the youngest group, when we were sitting there talking about prayer, first one child raised his hand and said, may I pray? And he prayed out loud. And a second one, same thing, prayed out loud. We had five of those children who offered a prayer for the group before we even got started. Now that's overwhelming, folks. And I just say amen to that. It was a blessing to me and everyone who was there with us. Okay, so that's uh, in the plan for this campus, and, uh, and we look forward to walking with you. And for you just to take time in your day 
to come and walk around and enjoy the beauty of our campus here and the meaning behind each of those stations. Okay, I come to the conclusion part of my sermon, but uh, it's a modestly lengthy conclusion, so hang in there, okay? In Psalm 27, David tells us that the Lord said to him, Seek my face. And David's heart replied, Your face, O Lord, shall I seek. Seek his face. Will you seek the face of the Lord? God commands us to seek his face and tells us that we cannot live the Christian life or experience true joy unless we do so. In Psalm 34, verse 8, David writes, O taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. We must taste in order to see. We must reach out to him in prayer regularly, persistently, and then we will see that the Lord is indeed good. There is true joy to be found in tasting the Lord's goodness as he promises that persistence in prayer will change both us and the world around us. So I hold out to you that promise of God. If you seek his face regularly by reading his word, and if you persevere in prayer, you will see that the Lord is good. You will see the impact of your prayers on yourself, on others, and on the world. But I warn you, it won't be easy. I can tell you that up front. It won't be easy. A former minister of Westminster Chapel, London, offers these comments. Everything we do in the Christian life is easier than prayer. We are in a war, and prayer is one of the most effective weapons. So Satan will fight us every step of the way. But because we are in a war, because the body of Christ depends on each one of us doing our part, we need to strengthen our feeble arms and weak knees. We need to discipline ourselves so that we regularly, continually turn in active prayer to the Lord. God has ordained that he will work through our prayers. God chooses to use us as his instruments in accomplishing his purposes. Can you believe that the creator of the universe is relying on us praying to him to accomplish his purposes? We need to be praying, beloved. So I encourage you to taste and see that the Lord is good. Commit yourselves to using at least one of these types of prayers today and another this week. Commit yourself to using all parts of prayer. Seek his face. Pray. Pray through the scriptures. Pray and praise to God. Thanking him, recalling his great deeds as recorded in the Bible and in church history. And as you pray, you will be changed. Pray for our ministers, elders, deacons, teachers, that they might be empowered and changed. Pray for your children, your friends. Think of yourselves as the general who has access to reinforcements to send to whoever needs them. Be on the alert. Know who needs help. And do what is most effective. Pray. I'm closing with a short video that I'd like you to watch, and then I'm finishing with a capstone prayer um, as a conclusion to the message. So please watch this video.
out to us and given us such great and precious promises. You have told us that we have the tremendous privilege of approaching your throne of grace boldly, with confidence because of the blood of Jesus shed for us. Father, we confess that we have neglected to do so, that we have allowed the enemy to divert us from this most important task. Lord, we believe that you have ordained to work in this world through prayer. May we act on that belief even today. May Williamsburg Christian Church become a community of believers who are devoted to prayer so that we might be effective ambassadors for you in this hurting world. In Jesus' name, amen. are getting ready, it's my privilege to be able to offer the invitation to you. The invitation is on many levels. If you just want to rededicate your life, maybe rededicate your prayer life, why don't you come forward and we'll pray together. If you're outside of Christ, don't yet know Christ. There's no time like the present to step forward. You're among friends here. We'd be happy to welcome you into the brotherhood of, of Christians and to baptize you for your beliefs. If you are seeking a church and you've been attending here 
fairly regularly and, and now wish to place your membership with Williamsburg Christian Church, we would love to have you. A body is only as strong as each individual member, and the more members we have, the stronger we become. So if you want to uh, place your membership with us, please step forward. Would you all stand as we sing the...